Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Here's what I want us to do because it took a prophetic word. Amen. It wasn't just, I believe they can live again. There had to be a word spoken. And the Spirit of God responded to that spoken word. And the Bible says by the time that vision ended, those dead bones were a mighty army. Amen. They weren't bones any longer. There was flesh and there was muscle and there was sinew. Those bones had come together and they were a mighty army. The man of God's getting ready to come. We're, we're honored to have Pastor Brandon Ball, a man from True Life Church in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, roundabout Pewaukee. Amen. And just a couple of months ago, I was honored to be able to be there in their church, and it's just incredible revival environment and atmosphere. And I asked him to come this week, and he met with some of our leaders yesterday, and we talked about some things we're going to be doing. But uh, this is a true man of God. He was an evangelist for 15 years. Is that right? Roundabout? A few more? A few less? We'll, we'll round it up to 15. Is that good? And uh, has pastored now for about three years and uh, is just doing incredible work. He's a great man of God. I know that some of you might remember uh, the last. I know, Brother Plager, I don't know if you remember this. I told him when I was there, but after he got done, you were, you were telling me how, how much you enjoyed his preaching. And uh, anyway, I felt a little insecure after after that. I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, Brother Ball has a tremendous ministry. I know today he's going to speak the word of the Lord. And so one last time before the preacher comes, I want us to just raise our hands. And I want you to, the, the words of that song. Amen. Lord, I'm a valley of dry bones. God, I've got situations in my life that there's no muscle, there's no sinew. God, there's no possibility, but I believe that you can. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering to you right now, and I'm asking you as the man of God comes today, Lord, that as he speaks over this valley of dry bones, whatever it is that you've given him to speak today, Lord, I pray, God, let it bring life into this building. Let it bring life into every impossible situation. I pray those that walked in weak would leave out strong. Those that walked in discouraged would leave encouraged. Those that walked out in looking for direction is going to walk out of here today with purpose, with power and with strength, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as Brother Ball comes. Amen. Take your liberty, all right? I hope I didn't embellish it. Amen. Well, good morning to you, Living Hope. And it's nice to know that I have a fan club of one now the pressure's on um, man I like the size of this pulpit I, I feel like I could fit about six or seven sermons on here come on somebody <laughs> this, is, this is what's up right here I um I do feel the leading of the Lord this morning. And I'm not the most spiritual person in the world. That I'll admit that. Um I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm 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 telling you that to tell you last night I just could not I wanted to sleep, I could not sleep. And I was just searching for what the Lord would have me to say to you, to deliver to you this morning, and I was a little unsure. Until this morning, if you were here, uh, Sister Valerie did a fantastic job. Woo. And she said some things, you, you know, when you're talking about heaven, you're almost talking about an abstract. It's so hard to, to bring life to that, and she did such a great job. She said some things during that, though, that I felt the Lord confirm. 
And there's been one cohesive theme from the worship service, Sister Valerie, Pastor Satan. You have great leaders here, by the way. You really do. And a closet secret of mine is that I've, I've been a fan of your pastor for a long time. I have been. Been a fan, a follower. And it's odd to be here. And I want to say, I, I do consider it an honor to be here with you. And I also want to just give honor to our church, True Life Church, Milwaukee. We're so thankful to be able to pastor them. And could I just add to that and just say thank you so much for allowing, understanding, and sharing your pastor with our church. Our church was, I believe, eternally affected by your pastor's ministry about a month and a half ago. And thank you. I know you feel his absence when he's gone. Thank you so much for allowing him to come. I'm telling you that because I want him to come back. So I'm hoping if I'm nice to you, you allow him to come back and, and be with us. I want to turn your attention to two passages of Scripture today um, for the next few moments. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. If you don't know where Habakkuk is at, that's okay. They, they put up in the couple pages into your Bible, they put the page numbers for the ones you can't find. Just don't let anybody see you go to that second page. you got to be sneaky about it. For mine, it's 1095. The other one you might be able to find a little bit easier, Hebrews chapter 11. So mark with your finger Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. And, um, and we're going to go to Habakkuk chapter 2. And I'm a little inspired this morning. I, I normally, my, my MO is to have three points. I pride myself on having three points, and I articulate them very clearly, point number one. Uh, today I don't. I have one point, uh, one, one major point today that I want to just speak on. I'm inspired by a little bit of your history here, our history as a country. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number uh, 1, 2, and 3. And I apologize, uh, media. You have a, a fantastic worship team, by the way. They're amazing. Amazing. Thank you, media team. Uh, I apologize for not getting this to you. In, in I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 1, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, verse number 2. The Lord answered me, said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse number 3, for, for the vision is, is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. And it will not lie. Watch this. Though it tarries, or in the Hebrew, though it's delayed, wait for it. Because it will surely come. Hebrews chapter 11, if I can just add a tale on that. Verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I also need you to ignore my Wisconsin accent. You're going to be tempted throughout this message if I say words like phone <clears throat> to think critically of me. Brother Roberts, we're coming for you next. We're honored uh, to get to know you and excited for which the next chapter that the Lord has for you. I want to speak to you for this from this topic today. Losing sight, but gaining vision. Losing sight. I feel the Lord today beginning vision. Father, help us today. Anoint the ears of those who hear. Anoint the hearts. Let us not just be hearers of your word. Let us be recipients 
I pray that this, this word and, and, and the remainder of the service would not just be an, an emotional moment, but I pray that it would be engrafted into the fabric of this church. Change us today. Change me in my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. On a rainy day, it was recorded as a rainy day, September 13th, 1814. British warships sent a downpour of shells and rockets onto Fort McHenry in the Baltimore Harbor. Relentlessly pounding the American fort for an estimated 25 hours, the bombardment known as the Battle of Baltimore came only weeks after the British had attacked Washington, D.C., burning the Capitol, the Treasury, and also the President's house. A week earlier, a 35-year-old American lawyer named Francis Scott Key had boarded the flagship of a British fleet on the Chesapeake Bay in hopes of persuading the British to release a friend who had recently been arrested. It's actually debated whether or not he was on a British ship at the time or an American ship. But either way, his tactics were successful in getting his friend released. But on September the 13th, Francis Scott Key watched the barrage of Fort McHenry as it began. He's quoted by saying, It seemed as though Mother Earth had opened and was vomiting shot and shell in a sheet of fire and brimstone. But when the darkness of, of night had arrived, Key saw only red erupting against the night sky, giving the scale of attack. He was confident, the record goes, that the British would win. The hours passed slowly, but in the clearing smoke of the dawn's early light, on September 14th, through the billows of smoke and carnage of war, he saw not the British flag, but rather a tattered and toiled version of the American flag. It was actually in this backdrop that Francis Scott Key penned the words to now our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. And, and I, I have a question for you as I, I begin to think about this last night. How, how could it be that a man could write such prophetic beauty amongst such present turmoil? But Key was able to disconnect from what he presently saw because he believed in a vision of what could be. See, sometimes, sometimes today, I, I just want to bring this very simple word, you, you, you do have to lose sight of the present in order to gain a vision for the future. Um, Habakkuk chapter 2 is, is very interesting, the setting Habakkuk is a prophet, and he's writing during the, the, the decline and the fall of the Judean kingdom. And during this period, Judah is enjoying its last bit of prosperity uh, under King Josiah. But from there, as you read, things in the nation began to decay very rapidly. And over 40 years, the nation goes from very prosperous to being led into Babylonian captivity. And so an entire people are driven from their homes. Could you imagine? Families dispersed and, and forced to live in a foreign country. They were required to adopt a different cultural norm. They were required to speak different languages, and they were even required to serve false gods. And it's against this horrible backdrop that, again, we see a similar theme that the prophet Habakkuk hears from God in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 2. If I can read it again, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. Though it tarries, 
Though it's delayed, just wait for it because it will surely come. God was letting his prophet know you are going to be ushered into a season that doesn't look like my hand is in it. But if you will just wait on me, my vision will come to pass. Said another way, I will do what I said I would do. How many serve a God that, 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 that does what he says he will do? But sometimes you've got to lose sight of the present to gain vision for the future. Mm. I will resist the urge to talk about That dirty word, COVID. Some of you thought I was thinking of another dirty word. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no the people. Yeah. So preacher, I, I, I hear about my calling, but I don't believe it. I, I believe and I hear that God has a higher purpose for my life. You might be that person, but, but I, I don't know how to discover it. I desire a deeper relationship with Jesus, but I don't know how to get it. And I, I mean this with all due respect and grace. It isn't a lack of God's vision for your life, but rather there's a malady that is stopping vision from maturing in your life, in my life, in our life. It gets not a God problem. It's a human problem. It's a flesh problem. Yep. Psalm 34, 17, the Bible says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. Psalm 56, 8 says, You number my wanderings. Think about this. Think about this. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God keeps record of your tears. I would even suggest to you this morning as I kind of make a transition that the chasm between where you are and God's vision, where God wants to take you, is bridged with your tears. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Too many of us cannot bridge the gap from where we are to where God is wanting to take us. Hear me today, because we're crying over the wrong things. We're passionate over the wrong things. Can I ask you a question this morning? I, 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 by the way, I, I just, just a disclaimer. I, I'm so happy to be here. I hope I can come back. But if I can't, I'm going to give it one, my, my best that I have to give it. <laughs> but can I ask you a question this morning? What are you weeping over? What are the things that you're really passionate about? What are the things that you're truly weeping over? Let me ask you another thing. What are you actually desperate to receive? Some people are desperate for the attention and the love of other people. Some people are desperate for relationships, yet not desperate to pursue a relationship with God. Some people are desperate in this world to pursue success and careers with ambition and education, yet not shed one drop for our relationship with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when an infant is born, some of you may know this, when an infant is born, their vision isn't fully developed. Objects remain out of focus and blurry, but between one and three months, something miraculous happens. The baby will begin crying tears because tear ducts begin to develop between one and, and three months. And as the tear duct develops, more and more tears develop, but it's, 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 it's the tear duct that actually precedes clear and focused vision. Hear me today, tears precede vision. You want to know why you can't get to where God is trying to take you? It's because you're crying over the wrong things. You're weeping over the wrong. Dry eyes. <clears throat> Don't worry, we're going to, I just, I, I feel to just share some things. Dry eye, dry eye is, is very common. Some of you may deal with dry eye. But it's a condition where a person doesn't have enough quality tears to lubricate and nourish the eye. And it's, tears are necessary not only for your health, but to, for you to continue to have clear vision. 
it's a common problem. If you come with tomatoes today, just hold them for one second. Just hold them for one second. It's, it's a common problem in older adults. I think this is going to protect me right here. And, 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 and can, can, can I just say, is, isn't it amazing that, that as we, now some of you are trying to get ahead of me, now just give me some grace and hold on, but isn't it amazing that as we get older, we, we begin to develop problems where we lose our vision? Now I want to just use that to transition to a spiritual concept. Isn't it amazing that the longer we live for God... We've developed into professional Pentecostals where we've heard it all, seen it all, felt it all, and we can quickly lose vision of what God might have for the future. I don't know about you, but the church is the most exciting thing happening in my life. You might call me a loser, but I'm telling you every time I get into the house of God, I'm saying, Lord, what are you going to do next? Who are you going to heal next? Who are you going to save next? How are you going to change my life? I don't ever want to lose. I need one of you. <laughs> that gets me excited. Isn't it amazing? I, I'm just going to assume, I, I apologize for doing this. This is just my belief, but we don't actually know who the writer of Hebrews is. But, 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 but I'm just going to assume and say it's Paul. But isn't, isn't, isn't it amazing that, that, that Hebrews 11 is cohesive with everything else that we've just heard, that faith is the substance of, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? What are, you, what are you saying to us, that, that faithfulness is the foundation of things envisioned? Mm. I feel like I'm in an in a, in a, in a, in a atmosphere where, where, uh, of people that, that weep and believe in weeping and praying over the vision that God has given them. I, I, really, I really feel that. I, 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 but I, but I want to communicate to maybe just a few that might, might be in there. Please, please consider with me that there are times in our life where we weep and we're passionate about the wrong things. And God is trying to refocus us so that we'd be passionate about what he's passionate for. I'm just going to say it, I, 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 I believe you will only weep over what truly matters in your life. You will, only, you, will, you will truly only cry out for what moves you. Sometimes, though, sometimes we're placed in circumstances. We're placed in circumstances where it's so easy to be caught up in what's going on around us physically. Elijah cried out, and God revived a dead child in 1 Kings 17. Jehoshaphat cried out in 2 Chronicles 18, and God delivered him from death. Hezekiah cried out, and God gave him victory over the enemy that surrounded him, 2 Chronicles 32, 20-21. In Luke 8, Jesus' disciples cried out to him in the midst of a storm, and Jesus calmed the sea. Ezra chapter 10, Ezra wept, prayed, and fasted for revival of backslidden Israel, which did result in many people coming back to God. What are you, what are you actually willing to weep over this morning? <clears throat> I feel like I have a word for somebody here. I want, to, I, I want to talk to you about something, and I don't mean to be uh, redundant or repetitive of, of perhaps what you may have heard, but I have to assume that perhaps there are those that, that, that aren't familiar with some Jewish cultural background, and so just allow me just a few moments here. Allow me a few moments. 
talk to you about the woman with the issue of blood, Matthew chapter 9, verse number 20. And suddenly, the Bible says, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I only can touch his garment, I shall be made whole. I, I know that you may have heard it. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a garment in Jewish culture. It's called a tallit. It's a big square of fabric. You can still see them today in Israel. They, Jews still pray with them. <clears throat> they have four corners. That's really what's important. And in the corner are tassels. And the tassels are woven into a series of knots and weaves. And Scholars will tell us that in biblical times, that the knots and the weaves of the tassels were unique to the individual family. Now get this. So that, that you could actually look and distinguish a person's identity or level of authority by that garment. There's different words in the Bible for this. The English translators um, have translated multiple words for the Hebrew, which is seat seat, and uh, you, you can read it and it will open up the New Testament to you. Some of those are um, uh, garment, cloak, napkin, vesture, skirt. So when it talks about David rent the skirt of Saul's garment and came out of the cave and Saul came out and seen David, David had rent that that tassel that represented the authority, and he was holding that up. And that's when Saul said, David, now I know that thou surely shalt be king. You could have taken my life and said you took my authority. It happened earlier when, oh, I'm trying not to get in trouble, guys. I'm sorry. Now, I, but, but it happened earlier when, when Saul, the Bible says, he rent the skirt of Samuel's garment. It was an intentional move because the prophet, the preacher, had come to the king and he said, this and this and this is wrong and you've got to make a course correction. And the Bible says he reaches out and he rips away the king's or the prophet's authority. It wasn't by accident. It, was, it wasn't something that just happened. He was intentional. He was saying, I am the king and I have authority over the preacher. And I'm tearing that away. And Samuel turns to him and said, just like you tearing away the law, God has so removed the kingdom from you this day. It'll open up the Old Testament to you, but it opens up the New Testament to you as well. Because you see a, a woman with an issue of blood, and she comes to, she comes to Jesus. And, and, and people have all kinds of ideas about who Jesus is and was. And they, they say, well, he, some say he was a prophet. Others say he was just a good person. Some say he was God manifest in the flesh. Can I tell you that this woman knew exactly who Jesus was? But she had to lose sight to gain vision. Because you understand that she had dealt with an issue of blood for how many years? 12 years. 12 years of seeing, uh, saying no. 12 years of every doctor saying, hey, there's not an answer for you. I can't fix this for you. I can't deal with it. 12 years of sight that says this is an impossibility for you. But when she saw Jesus... She said, this is not just another good man. This is not just a frivolous magician, as Josephus has put it. Uh, This is God incarnate. This is God robed in flesh. Watch with me. And then she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment. You know why she said that? She was saying, because if I touch that, I touch the name. And I touch the identity of God himself. And if I can touch that, I can get my miracle. But you've got to lose sight in order to gain vision. That's why I believe in what your pastor said. <laughs> I'm sorry for, 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 for deviating for just one second because I, I just I have to share with you. You may be seated. I, I want to just share with you what, what the Lord is doing in Milwaukee. I, I've only pastored for three years. I really don't know what I'm doing. So, um, but we're having God's being gracious to us. A year and a half 
year into pastoring, I felt like God gave me a vision. I was praying, I was fasting, and I'm like, God, what are we going to do? And I felt the Lord say, get, drop this word, multiply. And I was like, yes, love that word. Numerically, financially, and spiritually, three components. I'm like, praise God. And so we put up a big background that said, multiply. And we talked about it, and the leadership were bought, and they were excited, and the ch- I, we preached it to the church, and the church was excited and bought in, and everybody was like, yeah, 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 woo. And then a pandemic swept across the globe. And I thought, man, in only a year, my, my, my pastoral career has just... <laughs> the first vision launched to the church. This guy can't hear from God. And I'm sitting there seriously, and I'm, I'm, I'm seriously weeping. I'm embarrassed, and I'm like, God, why? what are you doing? And I felt the, just, a, just, a, just a, a agreement in prayer that, hey, just, just hold on a second. Just, 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 just hold on. So what did we do? We, we tried to be like everybody else. We, uh, we tried to be, become overnight movie producers, uh, except for his worship services. And it was so bootleg. It was so bad. I, I asked our church, I said, please delete those videos. We just, we don't want people seeing that. One video, I'm ashamed, I'm, I don't even want to tell you this, I'm sorry. I, I, I was, we were doing service in my living room, and, um, and I didn't have any shoes on, I just had socks on. And somebody said, Pastor, you need to put some shoes on, like, next time. It's just, it's bad. It wasn't going good for us, you know, but we were trying to do, we were trying to do what everybody else was doing. I thought, God, uh, we, we need your help here. And so I was in a class, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in school, and I was in a class, and, and, um, and in this class they were talking about uh, Baptist heritage. And so I'm not a Baptist, by the way, but I do go to a Baptist university, but I'm, I'm just finishing some things up. But, but they were talking about Baptist heritage, and we were talking about uh, one individual who started, some of you may recognize his name, uh, Robert Schuler started the Crystal Cathedral uh, in California, I believe it was. And so we were kind of talking about that. And I was intrigued by this guy that did drive in church. His theme was, come as you are in the family car. But he was trying to reach, at that time in California, there was a big stigma with people coming into church. And so he was trying to reach a dynamic of people and not create borders or you know, for them to come past. And so... He started out in a movie theater parking lot. He bought a movie theater, a drive-in theater, and then so on and so forth. And it expanded and it grew. And I just thought, by the way, this is before, this is before all the, you know, drive-in church hype. And I, I sat with the trustees and I'm like, hey, what about doing drive-in church? Here's how I can tell you that we were for sure the first ones, at least in Wisconsin, because it was March. Don't worry, Brother Robert. Just, just, matter of fact, maybe I shouldn't even say anything. I just want to. It was 80 degrees in March in Wisconsin. <laughs> it was March in Wisconsin. There was snow. There was sleet. There were, I mean, it was bad. And we rented this giant tent, and we were out in the, I mean, our worship team had, we were bundled up in mittens and hats and boots, and they were, and we were singing, and people would come, and they, they came, and our parking lot got more and more and more and more and more full. I'd be preaching out there, and they're honking. You got, mock, mock. And I'm like, come on, somebody. (laughs) More and more people come. More and more people come. Easter Sunday comes around. What are we going to do, Pastor? We're going to drive drive through communion. Never been done before. We're going to drive through communion. We got it, and people drive through like McDonald's, you know, boom, boom, boom. Our crew is giving them out as they're coming in, and we take communion together. Here's what we begin to realize, though. You know, while every other church was shut down, apostolic churches, Lutheran churches, cathedrals, everybody started coming. Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, atheists. Our parking lot began to fill. Then, then... All of a sudden, the two major news networks in Milwaukee came to do a show with their cameras. And then it just began to spread even further and further. 
and, and I was amazed at the success, what was, what was happening. But then I, I, I could sense just spiritual decline still of people. Hear me today. I got you laughing just to drop the hammer. That's my trick. Because there's no substitute for gathering together. Sister Valerie, if I could have added anything, what this is right here is a picture of what heaven will be. There is no substitute. That's why Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. So here's what I did. I sat down with our trustees. I sat down with everybody, our leaders, and I said, look, either we believe this book or we don't believe this book. It really boils down. It's that simple. Either you believe that God's in control or you don't believe that God's in control. I wish I had the time. I wish I had the time. We can't get people to come back to church. I wish I had the time to talk about the early apostolic church under the rule of Nero, who was executing children and families in the And yet you got an apostolic writer that says, don't forsake gathering together. You need to come together. You're the body of Christ. You're the hand. You're the foot. You're the toe. You're the eye. And you're all needed. Either we believe it or we don't believe it. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Paul could have added a footnote if he wanted to. Paul could have said, hey, hey, forsake not the assembling together as is the manner of some, except if there's a global pandemic. He could have added that footnote. This is divinely inspired word of God. There was no footnote added. Oh, I feel a soapbox sliding away from me here. That's why, watch, that's why, think about this, the night before our Lord was to be crucified, Peter turns to him and says, not so, Lord, and begins to rebuke him. What does Jesus do? He turns around to Peter and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to say something that's going to rub some people the wrong way. Self-preservation is satanic in nature. Because we don't live for this world, Sister Valerie. This isn't my home. This isn't my final destination. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an ambassador of the king. That's why I'm telling you today, sometimes you got to lose sight of what's going on around you because God's got a greater vision in store for your life, in store for our churches. But what are you passionate about? I've found out that many, you may be seated, I'm almost done. I've found out that many Christians are passionate about so many things that the world is passionate about. And if we could take that passion and redirect it, <laughs> what could happen? So we said, you know what, we're, we're, we're going back in, in church. We're going back in church. We've gotten criticized. We've gotten criticized um, initially. You know, it's funny how your critics all of a sudden turn around six months later and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Why is your church having revival? I said, because you keep shutting down every two weeks. So what happens? Well, you gain a family. Steve and Charlie, Sheehan, Catholics, not married, addictions of all kinds, started coming to drive in church. 
got to in person. We, we, we did drive in church for a few months. It got too cold, so we came inside the building. We said, so we're done with this. We're doing in-person in service. All these people came in, Lutherans, Catholics, Baptists, non-denominational, apostolic, atheists. And in a matter of a year and a half, now a total of three years, we, we went from a church of averaging 50 to a church of averaging 170. So, here we go. So, 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 Charlie, she's such a sweetheart. We, you know, we, our church could not sustain that kind of growth, and so we knew we had to do a building program. So here we go. I remember, I don't know what I'm doing. We're, we're now three years into this, two and a half at this point, in a building program in the middle of a pandemic. You know what, you know what God said? I don't necessarily need you to accomplish my vision of multiply. Do you, you understand? If you would just lose sight of what's going on around you and take a hold of the vision that I've given you, even in the midst of a circumstance like this, I can still There's nothing that's too hard for our God. Yep. So here we are in a building program. We hire a camp, capital campaign company, and, and, and so we do this capital campaign company, and uh, Jeff Shortridge, he's our, he's, our, he's our guy. Thank you, my brother. I love that. Actually making me feel a little guilty here. I'm, I'm going to take off and run here in a second. I promise you. And he says, Jeff Shortridge says, yeah, he's our capital campaign advisor. He says, well, based upon your financials, the church's state and everything like that and pandemic, he said, I, we, we, we have, have you pegged it to, to do uh, about 350000 Well, that was not enough. <laughs> Building costs in Milwaukee are probably, look, they are here, <laughs> not cheap. And so uh, um, we have a, a beautiful location right up on 94, over the hill, overlooking 94. And, and so uh, 350000 I said, okay. He said 400000 would be Moses' part in the Red Sea. I said, okay. So we prayed and we, we cast the vision and we rolled all, all the stuff out for the, the capital campaign. He says, you need a director. I said, I've, I've, I've filled every position. We have 12 different leaders in, in these positions on this uh, uh, capital campaign committee, but I don't have a director yet. I don't really have a piece about that. And we are in one service and I, I just turned to the left and I looked and there was Charlie. Brand new. Doesn't necessarily look the part. Four years ago, an addict. Three years ago, really, an addict. God says, that's your, that's your girl. And I'm going to tell you, I'm being honest. I said, Lord, you sure? Isn't that dumb? Why do we do that? So I went and approached her. I said, Charlie, would you be the capital campaign director for, for our, of course, yeah, I'd love to do that. She successfully led our 12, some of our, 12 of our other leaders Amen. in this capital campaign. We, we, when we went with a public launch and we went live with our public launch in our commitment Sunday, we had committed, pledged over $700,000. 400000 Nah. $700,000. <clears> to date, we just did, a, we just did our, our update. It's a three-year campaign. To date, we've, we've already had 260000 come in. That's more than a third. We're ahead of schedule. That is what happens when you lose sight and you get a hold of the vision of God. Yep. Bible says, Psalm 126.5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who goes continually forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There's a picture of harvest if you sow seeds, even in unfertile soil. Because the seed's miraculous. The soil doesn't have to be. This works anywhere. Okay. Last thing, last thing. Let me just, last time, you can be seated and I'm done. 
But I, I want to end with this. With, with everything that we've talked about with the woman at the issue of blood, and forgive me for not being so structured. I just kind of am just flowing a little bit. With now everything that we know with the woman with the issue of blood and the, the garment, the seat, seat, the tali, representing the identity, really, of the individual. There's something that happens in Mark 10 I want to show you that we miss without this background understanding. This is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Watch this. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, by the way, the music, you can come. Give, give everybody hope that we're done here today. Give everybody hope. Come on. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. There's some in every crowd, some in every church. Pentecostal police, that's what I call them. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So watch this. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now, here we go. Here we go. You remember what you cry out for is what you're truly passionate about. What you're emotional about is what you're truly passionate about. Watch what happens in verse 50. Can you skip down with me? I apologize. These are last-minute additions. You guys are so amazing. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. You can stand with me today. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's talk about it real quick. So here we are. Jesus calls to blind Bartimaeus. Well, blind Bartimaeus first cries out to him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You got the Pentecostal police in the house, and they're saying, hey, psh, quit being so emotional. Quit being so crazy. But blind Bartimaeus realizes something, that, that what you really cry out about, what you're truly passionate about is, is, what, you, is what you really are going to get. And so he turns his cries and his attention and his passion to Jesus. And he cries out the more, Jesus, son of David, I don't care what the Pentecostal police say, have mercy on me. And the Bible says it stops the Lord in his tracks. You want to stop God? You want to get God's attention? Shift your focus and your emotion and your passion to him. It'll stop him in his tracks. Jesus stops in his tracks and he says, he says, Come. Now, how ridiculous is it to not go to a blind man, but to ask a blind man to come to you? You know what he could have said? I, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure you guys understand. You know what he could have said? Um, Jesus, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm blind. That's actually my problem. I can't come to you. But even a blind man understood. I've got to lose sight. To gain vision. I'm not talking about his blindness. I'm talking about his circumstance. I'm, I'm not going to use my circumstance as a means of justification as why I can't get closer to God. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Oh my. Pastor, I'd love to come to church, but. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. That's it. I'm done. That's it. It's the last thing. I just snuck it in there. <laughs> Watch what blind Bartimaeus does. You guys have an amazing church, by the way. Watch what blind Bartimaeus does. The Bible says, and without the background, you miss it. Jesus calls him. The Bible says he leaves his cloak. 
What was he doing? Blind Bartimaeus, oh my God, I get so excited about this. He had so much faith that when he got to Jesus, his identity was going to change. You see, the, 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 the garment could represent a lot of things. You could look at somebody's garment and recognize their level of authority. You could recognize them as a government employee. You could recognize family name. Guess what it meant for Bartimaeus? It's my circumstance. It's my disability. It's my weakness. It's my reason why I can't. It's the reason why I, I've been uh, bound to just beg. It's, it's, it's every reason why I can't become. But now that Jesus is calling me, I'm going to leave this identity behind because when I get to where he is, he's going to give me a brand new identity. But sometimes you got to lose sight in order to take hold of vision. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody in this house. Would you throw your hands up right now? See, I'm ready to let go of what I see. I'm ready to let go of my circumstances. I'm willing to let go of whatever is holding me back. I want God's vision for my life. As you're coming, Psalm 26, verse 5, I just want to remind you as you come, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing and sheaves. As you're coming, there ought to be a divine exchange. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you.